0: We would like to start today's episode by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording this episode on today. We recognize their ongoing connection to the land, water, and community, and we pay our respects to the elders past and present.
1: Here at Allens, they want you to learn and they want you to enjoy yourself. Go cool for it and keep your mind open.
2: But a mentality of celebrating difference. Pro bono is a really important
3: element. You play a pretty critical role. The work we do towards reconciliation, sustainability and philanthropy.
2: God, my friends have taught me so much during this experience. Got off the train and I was like, Elwood's Woods arriving at Harvard. <laughs> I was just like, this is my moment. If you have a smile on your face and you're willing to get stuck in and apply yourself, then you'll bring so much value. I'm Mel. I'm Talia. And And this this is Alan's Alan's Confidential.
0: Welcome to another episode of Alan's Confidential. I'm one of your hosts, Melissa Camp. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm an associate in the Competition, Consumer, and Regulatory
2: Team. And I'm the other half of the duo. My name is Talia Rodriguez. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm an associate in the Disputes and Investigations Team here in Sydney.
0: We're very excited for today's episode and we are joined by two fantastic guests. We have a senior
3: associate in the real estate, environment and development team in Melbourne. Thank you for having me. My name is Tina Tran and I'm joining from Melbourne, so I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation. And my pronouns are she, her. And we also have a lawyer joining us
0: from the technology, media and telecommunications team in Sydney.
1: I'm Tim Alice. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, and I'm joining from Gadigal Land. Uh, which I learned, incidentally, cool. you know where that comes from? Gaddy, the Gaddy tree, the grass tree as we know it. Gadigool is people. Gadigool people. Oh, well, Gadigool. Don't even <laughs> need the people after it. Fun fact for you.
0: Amazing. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. We thought we would start off today's episode the way that we always do, which is easing in with a little bit of nightmare fuel. I'm not sure if either of you have a story in mind and would like to bite the bullet and go first, or if we should (laughs) start pointing fingers. Start pointing
1: fingers. (laughs) So I didn't take long to make a fool of myself at the firm. Day one, graduate induction. You've got (laughs) all the graduates. Yeah, that's that's quite fast. (laughs) (laughs) And so we've got graduate induction all the graduates in the room didn't know too many people there and we had the pleasure of being joined by our newly appointed people officer so the sort of the head
2: someone very important you would say extremely important
1: highly regarded you know (laughs) obviously very excited about being this new role and she spoke to us and gave really sort of thought-provoking insightful speech and at the end of the speech there's that moment where anyone who's given a speech at university knows you just want to have a question just someone get in there ask a question please there's a bit of silence and I thought, oh, not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> I,
0: I was, nominate myself as tribute. <laughs> I was, took
1: the hand up exactly right. The hand goes up. The relief is clear on her face. And she calls me up to the lectern and as I'm walking up. Oh, I'm she thinking, calls you
2: up to ask the question. You can't oh, just do it from the audience. No,
1: this is a, this is serious stuff, Talia. <laughs> oh um, my days. So I'm, <laughs> I'm walking up to the lectern and rapidly trying to think of a question. I've gone, oh, what is a Dorothy Dixie I can ask here? So, oh, you know what? This is a pretty senior role, she's in. How about I ask her about how she's, you know, advanced to this stage of her career. I get up there and I'm asked to introduce myself. So, I'm Tim Ellis. I'm a lawyer in the TMT uh, practice. So, she's under no illusions as to who I am. <laughs> so I started off and I say, given your advanced age. <laughs> uh, I might as well have told her. She looked prehistoric. Uh, so, any of the goodwill that I had tried to <laughs> pass on rapidly, rapidly disappeared. Did people
2: uh, laugh? What was the response to the room? It's just sort of room? awkward.
1: It was very, very awkward. Yeah. <laughs> um, not much laughter. I think no. there were a few muffled laughs because they didn't want to appear to be yeah, rude. Yeah, of course, of course. I haven't lived it down.
0: How did you like, do this the thing time. where you try to backpedal and be like, no, I didn't mean that. And then you just dig yourself into a further hole by trying to actually explain where you were trying to go. Or did you just leave it?
1: <laughs> I just just left it. Yeah, (laughs) he he doubled down and just finished (laughs) off. Just go strong. And a lot of it I've just tried to wipe out of my memory since then. (laughs) Oh, Um, wonderful. Not my best moment at the firm, not my worst. Um, (laughs) Here we go.
3: Tina, over to you. I was going to say somewhat similar, but also in the context of a presentation. So in my grad year, we had probably half yearly seminars where the entire team would get together. There would be a bunch of presentations. So as a fresh grad, I was more just kind of there to listen and take notes. So while I was doing that, I was very distracted and I was trying to read another document and talking to some people on Teams when I really should not have been. Terrible mistake on my part. And so, of course, someone made a joke to me over Teams and I burst out laughing right. in the middle of a, well, this very serious presentation. And the partner that was giving the presentation asked me, oh, Tina, do you have a question? And I said, No. Nothing, nothing at all. And was just ready to just disappear into a puff of smoke. Um, I'm not sure if I have ever lived it down, but needless to say, I still do work for that partner. So hopefully she doesn't remember that moment. Surely at that point you just hang up and you're, oh, sorry, technical issues. Like,
0: <laughs> whoopsie, it was in person. So unfortunately I could not. No escaping that. Oh no. No
2: escaping that one. Yes.
0: That is very funny. Thank you both so much for
2: sharing. (laughs) Well, we might kick off with our first question, and it is quite the transition from university and full-time study into a job here at Allens, and there's a million and one acronyms that I'm still incredibly unsure about myself. So we thought we would bring a little bit of clarity into the teams here and the work that we do. So uh, Tina and Tim, could you tell us the difference between the practice groups here at Allens and the sector groups?
1: I think the um, the way it had been explained to me in a quite a helpful manner was that you could think of the, the sector groups as people who have knowledge of a particular sector, so sort of business acumen for, say, mining, for example. The practice groups are almost people who are, have specialised skills across a number of different areas. So if you think about mining transaction or a deal, you might have to call upon people with technical skills from a TMT perspective to advise on the privacy aspects of that deal. You might have teams from an MA perspective who will be advising on the deal mechanics. You might have tax experts who are coming. There's almost like a, a production line where everyone has a different role to play and you can think of those skills as practice groups and the sector groups as the, the body of knowledge.
2: That actually just clarified that for me. I mean, yeah. It's the best explanation I've heard about that, I think. So, it's like skills versus industry, almost.
3: Yeah, yeah. I yeah and so, an industry
2: character. needs more than one skill to get something done. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I get said. it. Huge. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. And the episode here, that was just
0: <laughs> And that's incredible. it. They
3: we're ready to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, did you have anything to add to that at all? I guess just a bit confusingly, sometimes practice groups and sectors have the same name So, for example, I sit in the real estate practice group, but there's also a real estate sector. So I think it's just important to keep in mind that, you know, you can sit in the TMT team, for example, and also there's the technology sector, just to really confuse things. Of course. I don't think anything in law could ever be straightforward. That wouldn't make sense. (laughs) That
2: That would be confusing if it was straightforward, I think.
0: I think that's a good segue actually into another question that we wanted to ask you today, which is how the type of sector and industry work that you are interested in actually then feeds through into the type of work that you do in your practice. Because as you were saying, Tina, there is both a real estate sector group, but also the real estate practice group. So I think it would be good to break down a little bit how those two sit with one another and how they kind of inform the type of work that you do day to day.
3: I sit in the real estate practice group. So I consider myself a real estate lawyer. So that means day to day I'm working on, you know, the typical property documents like a lease or a contract of sale for property. And that's really where my focus is there. But in terms of the bigger industry type picture, the real estate sector is where not only real estate lawyers, but lawyers in other teams, as Tim was mentioning, like tax, for example, or the Mac A M&A team, that's where they can Give us input on issues that are relevant to their practice groups so if there are tax issues in a lease then we'd get advice from the tax team on that or if the overall transaction is say the sale of a property between two super funds that's typically where we'd get involvement from the M&A team or the funds team and that's how we work together with those teams even though the key document that I might be working on is a contract of sale for example We work across a lot of teams on a lot of the transactions that we do, especially in the renewable energy space. And it's not necessarily with other seniors, but I work a lot with juniors across the other teams. I think because in a renewable energy matter, for example, the real estate team will probably sort of be managing it or leading it. And then we'll work with other juniors, say in the banking team or the tax team that are working on their respective documents. So that means I get to know a lot of the juniors really well. And so it means I don't have to go always to the partner if I have a simple question about tax, which is probably simple for a tax junior, but very complicated <laughs> for real estate senior associate <laughs> like myself. <laughs> Thank you for that helpful explanation, Tina.
0: I think that makes sense and it gives the listeners a good insight into how the teams interact with each other on a particular matter as well as across the practice groups, sector groups, et cetera. I'm interested if either of you have an example of a type of matter that you've been involved in, in a particular sector or industry that has then helped to develop your career within your practice group. Tim, I don't know if you want to start with your experience as a grad and then we'll go to Tina for an example.
1: I think one that comes to mind is TMT have found ourselves involved in a number of uh, regulatory investigations, so a couple of regulatory bodies that, whose sort of remit is very much the work that we are doing as a technology media and telecommunications practice. Thinking back to a, a matter where I've really been able to own my skills in a very specific manner was, was looking at a case of producing some documents for uh, essentially akin to a discovery in a litigation proceeding. This involved us going through a number of documents that have been provided by the client and sort of looking at it from our technology lens to, to understand where the risks might be, but also from a sort of litigation lens to say, okay, can privilege be claimed over these documents? And for me, that that helped really to sort of hone my skills in from a litigation perspective. So something I hadn't anticipated in doing in, in TMT, but something that's been, that's proved very, very useful because often those sort of questions that a client will ask, they'll see you as a lawyer. They won't necessarily appreciate that you're that in your mind you consider yourself just a TMT lawyer. I oh, know, you
2: know everything about
1: the law That's exactly since right. the beginning of time,
2: actually. Yes.
0: That's exactly in every
1: right.
2: jurisdiction
0: as well. You can both do an MA transaction and litigate it if it goes <laughs> wrong. You know it all.
1: Absolutely. And so to be able to to live up to those sort of expectations, it's been really handy to have that side of it and to understand that um from a pretty detailed level as well. I think one of the things that had surprised me is just how useful sort of the empathy you develop for one practice group is when you move to a different practice group. So for mine, I think a really good example is in TMT, a lot of the work we'll do is contractual work and, and drafting. And you'll get a sense of the back and forth between the parties when you are drafting and some of the business considerations that will go into the the words that are on the page. Doing a placement litigation afterwards is super, super helpful for understanding what sort of conversations and what intent parties had for a particular cause. When you are in that a stage of a, of a litigation matter, it's so helpful to have had that context and to know where the parties are coming from, particularly where settlement is still an option. I found that was sort of an unexpected benefit, but really, really helpful. And one of the best things of, of, of being able to rotate as a graduate.
2: If you are listening and you are drafting something, please think of your disputes colleagues who might have to pick it up 10 years down the track <laughs> and right. fix it all and put it back together.
3: <laughs> I work across a couple of sectors, which includes a renewable energy is a big one. And so is private capital. And often those two sectors cross over quite a fair bit just because of the nature of the clients that we do work for. So a big thing we've been doing recently is setting up investment funds in the renewable energy sector. So we might have, for example, a couple of super funds or other sources of private capital that want to create, combine their funds and invest into certain wind farms, for example. So that's where we've worked closely with the funds team Who set up the overarching investment structure. So there might be a trust, there might be an investment manager, things like that. The real estate team will work on the specific asset level documents. So for that specific wind farm, you might have a lease, you might have a development agreement, things like that. So that's a really good example in my mind of cases where I've had to be really across like a investment agreement or a co-owner's agreement documents, which I'm very unfamiliar with, legislation dealing with funds and the regulatory changes there, even though it's really just at the end of the day, we're working on a new wind farm or a new solar farm.
0: I've found that the renewable energy space is definitely one where I think our practice groups are coming together in a really unique way because I think there is so many energy and renewable energy projects that do have the need for land acquisition, obviously, but then there's also a lot of regulation that sits over the top of these new renewable energy zones that I know the Real Estate Now Projects and Developments colleagues know the most about, but then there's also a layer of regulatory approvals that you need from the competition regulator, from the foreign investment regulator. Our M&A team is constantly doing purchases and acquisitions in this space. Our TMT team and our funds team are kind of involved in those transactions as well. And I think more and more I'm seeing that if you have a particular interest in a sector, you have so much scope to work across practice groups regardless of what team you're in in these kind of big projects that you're really interested in, which I think has been really
2: cool as a more junior member of the firm. Yeah, I think people, students in particular, worry that when they are picking a team, they're foregoing something else. But I think it's so important to remember you're still given so much room to follow the passions that you have. I remember finding out before, so I settled in the disputes team, but prior to that, I did my second graduate rotation in the intellectual property team. And there's a food and beverage sector. That is amazing. Getting to look at trademark <laughs> champagne and, and different cheeses and geographical indicators, dream job. I think it's just so fascinating that there's so many different sectors that we work in that might not necessarily be front of mind. I don't think food and beverage was for me in the IP team, but it certainly was after I, um, after I started. But, yeah, there's just so much there to do.
0: The way that one of the partners in our team tries to get people to join the food and beverage sector group within the competition and consumer and regulatory team is they always tell us that one of their clients is an ice cream manufacturer and that if they um, assist, they will bring back boxes of ice cream when they go and do presentations to this particular client. And I don't know about you, but
2: that's enough. Free ice cream is a pretty good selling point. Tina and Tim, how did you both go about picking your clerkship and graduate rotations? And do you have any advice that you wish you received before you made your decisions? Tina, we can start with you.
3: I think I ultimately chose based on what I knew and what I was exposed to. So I think knowing as much as you can about the different groups is going to really help you or maybe hinder you because then you'll have too many choices, (laughs) too many things to pick from. But yeah, personally for me, when I was at uni anyway, I didn't know much about Allen's or corporate law or anything like that beyond MA. That's probably the most, you know, things like suits. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very realistic depiction of what we do here at Allen's. <laughs> yeah, 100%. My friends are always like, so do you just cut deals all day? <laughs> I did my clerkship in the MA Mac team at Allen's and I did my first rotation there as well, just because you meet people there, you know what you're getting into. So that was nice and easy. For my second rotation, that was also a similar theme of just choosing what I know. I did a really intense chemicals business transaction while I was in the MAC team. And I got to work with the Sydney e team on that. And I just thought, wow, contamination, love it. It's so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Oil spills, can't get enough. Your villain origin story. (laughs) Every story I've heard about the
0: environment and planning team is something else really rogue. Like the other one I got told was about a piggery and like going in and looking at the (sighs) environmental impacts of a whole bunch of pigs on a piece of land and like the the
3: stories never cease to amaze me. (laughs) I have heard that. And like the benefit is, as you said, you do get to go on site visits. So, yeah, I thought. E&P was where I wanted to go next. And the E&P team at Allen's is part of the real estate team. So that's why it's called RED Together acronyms. I know. <laughs> so that was sort of my preference. As it worked out, I had also let the team know that I was happy to go wherever in order to get my preference. Because that is an option that is available to you. And I think that's a really great option. So I basically ticked, I'm happy to go to any office in Australia. I'm happy to go to Linklater's. I can do anything, really. Um, Send was, me anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Just keeping all just my keep me um, in contamination. Open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so long as it was contamination related. But yeah, so I ended up in Sydney e for my next rotation, which was in my eyes perfect. It was exactly what I wanted to do. I did a lot of great work there. Because I am Melbourne-based, I did end up coming back to Melbourne and settling in the rare team here though. So that's my journey.
1: For my part, I had come into the clerkship thinking, I reckon I'd love to do a stint in TMT. So I had an IT degree. I, had, I still have an IT degree. It hasn't been taken off me. Um, <laughs> is it
2: still in date? Still well. Have you tried turning it on and off again? <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: Um, and so I had always hoped to have a stint in TMT. And for my sins, I used to work at a bank. So I thought oh, maybe banking and finance could be, a, could be a good stint for the second rotation. And as it turned out, I ended up doing a placement in DNI, which is disputes and investigations. downs. And advice I received subsequent to that was, you should definitely do a stint in DNI. I'd received that afterwards but I then started to appreciate why that advice is given to me. The clerkship's a good way to get a taste of the of the placement but you don't sort of get the, that full benefit of 12 months of working there. But the advice that it was given to me was nothing sharpens your skill as a lawyer than doing a stint, more than doing a stint in a dispute and investigations team because the person that's going to be seeing your work is the judge. So these are legal experts and there's that aspect of it but also the aspect of having empathy for that side of the practice as well. So when you write up road clauses in your contracts to get it to get the deal over the line. You also then, by having spent some timing, in DNI, you have an appreciation that they're going to have to fight f- for the benefit of your client on the basis of the clause that you've written. Yeah, will so my colleagues
2: appreciate this drafting? Yes or no? <laughs> <Basically>, <laughs>
1: yeah, it comes down to so that was great advice I had, and I'm really pleased I'd done it that way. So, I'd recommend trying to get as broad experience as possible and trying two different, two very different placements. I
0: had similar advice given to me going in. that I feel like a lot of people say, try and do something that allows you to see a transaction and try to see something that allows you to see a litigation. Because I think when you're at uni, a lot of the subjects you do, and maybe this was just my experience, but a lot of the subjects I did were so focused on case law and litigation in their teaching. And I feel like a lot of people come into clerkships and don't actually really know what a transaction looks like because that's not necessarily taught in uni. So it was very cool to come in and kind of see those skills and, and what that involved, but as you said, everyone always says balance that out with disputes because even if you decide that you love transactional work, it's really good to know what can go wrong. <laughs> exactly.
2: and I remember actually having mergers and acquisitions in my cover letter for Alan's because I did a finance degree, that was my double, and thinking that would be a great fit, it's a perfect mix of law and commerce, this will be right up my alley. and It was so different to what I'd studied at university. Nothing like I'd expected. I feel like I got to see so much of the transactional side of a deal and and how that works. And I felt like I was on suits for a hot minute there. It was a lot of fun. But I remember thinking I love being deep in the law and those research questions. And I remember thinking back to the problem questions you get in university where it's like, oh, here's your characters A, B, and C. And what happens? How do you? make this all work. But yeah, I was really, really set on doing transactional work and then I did it and I was like, oh my God, where's the law? It's missing. It's not there. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) So very quickly changed tack and started doing some um, disputes work, which I'm very grateful for.
0: I know that I did um, M&A as my second graduate rotation and Something that I loved personally about being in that team was when you were doing a transaction, especially as a junior, you got to interface a lot with the other team. So I would be on any given day talking to colleagues right across the firm and while I just absolutely love competition and consumer work. It makes me a little bit giddy, hence why I settled there. I think that rotation in mergers was invaluable for my network within the firm. There are so many people now that when I have questions, I can go and lean on because I know people in every practice and pretty much in every office across the firm now because of that experience, which I will value and take forward with me for the rest of my career. That now leads into our final question, which we will end on for today. And that is giving our listeners a little piece of advice that you wish you had when you were back yourself sitting there with your
3: form open, looking at what preferences you were going to put in. We'll start with you, Tina. Advice that I was given and which I think really stands the test of time is to just talk to as many people as you can in as many different practice groups as you can, in as many different sectors as you can because that's the only way that you'll be able to get a sense of what you might like, what you might not like, and just things you don't know about. Uni is very much a bubble and doesn't cover anything at all about what practice is like in a lot of groups. So people love to chat. So just reach out to anyone and everyone while you're deciding these things. Absolutely. I think it was one of,
0: Geneva's quotes from a very early episode where she said, you will never find an Allen's lawyer who doesn't like to talk about themselves and their practice. <laughs> so, there was lots of people who are willing to answer your questions. And I think that also stands the test of time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Over to you, Tim. Any advice?
1: I think Tina's advice is terrific. And I think in particular, one aspect of that is where you don't know what you don't like, I think being open-minded as you go into the rotations is really, really helpful too. If you do it and you don't enjoy it, at least you know that now, you've developed some empathy for that particular practice group, but you never know. This is possibly the one time in your career where you have a chance to try a few different areas. So I would fully encourage everyone to take advantage of it. And that's the advice I would have loved to have heard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you both so much for your advice and all of your wise insights today. It's been great having you with us.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you.